to me, it's like, dude, I want to find that guy out mm -hmm. and just like, just sit at their feet and learn. I love that. That's how I feel about you on so many. Oh, topics. I just ruminate on him a lot. So you're a philosopher. I'm jealous yeah. because you um, sit in your hot tub in the morning and. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Ready? Yeah. Sweet. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, the new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool and pour yourself a glass of wine today and join us each week as we discuss all the topics that you were told not to talk about in polite company. My name is Joel and this week we'll be talking about death. And who do I have with me? You have Jose. But first, let's talk about what we have on tap, or let's say in the bottle this week. Yeah, this week we have the bottle. We have this week selection from Cambria Estate Vineyard. Um, we have their Syrah, which is this tasty, it's relatively tasty, red, delicious wine. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, When I tasted it right away, and this is what's cool about wine, it tasted super sour. Yeah. I'm like, crap, this wine sucks. And then I started drink, or, uh, eating some salsa with it. It tastes good, salsa. <laughs> and then I realized, you know what? Right before I had the first sip, I had a cookie, which is super sweet. And I just love... with the Yeah. Taste. Wine, more than anything, totally accentuates good food. That is... I mean, have you ever had a really good taste of... Or either wine after food or food after wine is like, shoot, those yes. go really, really well together. It emphasizes like, the flavors. Yeah. You know? Pulls them out. So I'm on the Cambria uh, wines.com website... Oh, yeah. And this bottle of uh, Syrah, apparently it pairs well with coffee, chocolate, blueberries, raspberries. And they actually suggest that if you're doing a barbecue, that you could um, cook. You could barbecue um, yeah. with this Syrah. Syrah's one of the bigger reds, right? Yeah. If not the biggest, I think. Or one of the biggest. One of the biggest, yeah. And so, and by biggest, what does that mean, anyway? So. I think most popular. I think that Pinot's up there too. No, I, well, okay. I was thinking big, as in like big flavors, mm. and like big, as in I don't know. It's drier usually. I think it's harder for new wine drinkers to 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 like, but uh, it goes with really powerful foods, strong tasting foods, it does. pepper, spices. Okay, it's and what is rich. the year? Do we know? Two thousand fifteen. Oh, okay. There it is. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So, are you? Do I remember? Are you a member of Cambria? Or is we it are. Just, yeah. My wife and I um, are We've got to go out there together. Uh, We've done it we've once done or twice, right? Once yeah. before. We've got to go more often. It's a cool place. It, it Cambria, though, is a huge corporation. So Which we're trying crazy. to keep things really, like, local. And so we're screwing up by drinking this. But it's good stuff. It's uh, it's owned by Kendall Jackson, I think. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. We have tons it's of local good. places around here we could be pushing for but this is the only one i could uh this actually proves that we're not shilling for any company or maybe right. it proves that we are i don't know I, I will say this though if you're looking for good wine then you need to hustle down or up or over to the central coast we have amazing wine selections here the vineyards the wineries ah we have so many delicious places mm. we are so lucky and uh it's a different sort of vibe than the Napa uh, wineries. I think yeah. that it's really cash. It's pretty hipster, actually, down here. Yeah. It's like, it's cool kind of hipster. cowboy, cowboy winery. I mean, especially like, I don't know. What's uh, the one I'm thinking? Oh, Rancho Sisquak has got oh, the full-on yeah. cowboy vibe. and But it's really casual. I think most of the pourers are super unpretentious. 
Oh, definitely. It, it's got that um, cowboy chic. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's it right there. Los Olivos has got that going. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's really good. So. Mm. Get yourself some of this Cambria Syrah 2015. Yeah. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for a few minutes, though we tend to be a bit loquacious, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, let's begin with Joel. All right. Actually, we never cheered. Oh, my gosh. Salute, sir. So everyone's got to get uh, wine this week and yes. drink with this because otherwise you won't be able to stomach us. So I'm going to keep mine short as usual and just say the interesting, I think, super interesting fact that, well, maybe it's not a fact from what I just read, that hops and marijuana are supposedly related. And I think that's so interesting because hops are used as sort of a um, preservative in beers, and um, marijuana preserves old hippies. So, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. But, yeah. of course, they're both, um, they're both party drugs, and uh, I just think that's kind of cool. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Shoot, shoot. Were you for or against marijuana? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Joel, why do you have to do that? I'm on the for, spot. For, uh, for legalizing marijuana. Marijuana being legalized as a recreational drug. Ah, uh, I as per you usual. You can totally edit this out, of course, if you want to. I'm going to edit this out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Do it. As usual, I, I think my response is nuanced, and I think that irritates people. I but, love that. Nonetheless, um, I, I'm not a fan of people using marijuana recreationally, but I think people are already doing it, so we may as well legalize it, tax it. And then if we legalize it, I think then we are dealing with fewer issues of crime, arrests, those kinds of silly things that get people into trouble. Like the insane amount of people busted for pot who were in prison. I think that's, of course, reducing now, but come on, that's lame. So on the one hand, I would say I frown on marijuana use because all the people I know back in high school who were obsessed with marijuana... You know, they're, they're potheads still, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I've been out of high school now, what, 15 years Yeah, and they're still potheads. Yeah. See, I was for it and for the same re- uh, reason you just said, because it's insane to put people in prison for something that is so common, but I think it's an interesting deal you, with, with beer, with wine, mm-hmm. you can have a couple sips. Many, many people have one glass, one bottle on right. night and that's it. And they don't get buzzed. Or they barely just get relaxed. But I think marijuana, you're always going to get pretty, especially with today's right. THC levels, you're going to get pretty high each time. Yeah. So you're going in each time knowing beforehand your mind is going to be altered big yeah. time. So it's just a whole new dynamic. And it's going to be the thing that I'm worried about with the law is, and people scoff at this because kids can get marijuana super easily, but I'm right. still worried that more kids are going to start. Um, and that's one thing that's been proven is that it's bad for the adolescent brain. It's bad for the youth brain. So I'm worried about that in Colorado. Supposedly that did not happen. I don't, don't think it's going to happen now, but I'm still worried about it. Right. And then I think the Trump administration through attorney general, Jeff Sessions has already said, even though states have legalized it, they're going to come after, they're going to prosecute people. Yeah. What do you think about that? 
I think that's a bunch of baloney. Me too. These people are supposedly states' rights advocates. Yeah. But then here they are from the federal government. Yeah. Persecuting and prosecuting. You know what? Anytime a Republican says that they're for anything, now you can just completely discount it because, I mean, just the whole Russian thing that they can be like suddenly okay with Trump being for Russia just proves that, I don't know, the mainstream, not necessarily the mainstream, but certain far-right Republicans are totally hypocrites. Smoke weed every day. So, what is your Fred talk, my friend? So, my Fred talk this week, as per usual, is a little lengthy. So, I'll say this. As a Christian who identifies as Catholic, I sometimes have people looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, you're Christian, so why do you identify as Catholic? And to that I say, they're synonymous. Yeah. For 1,500 years, they were synonymous. To be Christian was to be Catholic. Yeah. And then until the... Protestant Reformation came along. That was true. And then after that, we had this branching out of multiple denominations, and they all came up with new names. Lutheranism, right? Calvinism. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Anglican Church, and Mm -hmm. so on and so on. And so... I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I'm always interrupting you, but when my father-in-law was growing up in northern Kansas, Mm -hmm. there was serious division in that rural community between the Lutherans and the Catholics, even in the mid-20th century, the mid-1900s. That's just, I mean, see, we are living in great times. When people say that things are going to pot, no way. We don't have that kind of crap anymore. But I, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. So I was just saying that to go back to the word to the word Catholic itself, the word Catholic actually means universal or yeah. according to the whole. And it comes from the Greek word Catholicos. And the first Christians identified themselves as Catholic because at the early stages of Christianity, you already had these sectarian heretical groups popping up. And you can actually see the gospel writers and Paul referring to them in their writings, like don't follow the false teachers, beware of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the wolves in sheep's clothing. The one problem is that they had all these sectarian heretical groups kind of popping up and they were, it was like playing whack-a-mole, trying to crush all these groups. The second problem they had was a lot of these local churches, lower or smaller C churches, were regarding themselves um, as separate. And the United States had this problem too, actually. All the states were viewing themselves as little entities amongst themselves. Yeah. Right? So you had like Ephesus or Corinth or Rome, all these different churches who viewed themselves as distinct. And I think there are still some Protestant churches who think that way. So the word Catholic then, one, was to go after the sectarian groups. No, 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 no. If you're not part of the universal church and you're not, you don't jive with the universal church's teachings, then you're outside the church. You're a heretic, basically. To solve the other problem, the universality of the church, right? Catholic, it brings them all together as part of the body of Christ. Yeah. Right? So you're not like on your own in these far reaches of, you know, the planet. We're all together. We're all united mystically, I suppose you'd say, Mm -hmm. according to the body of Christ. And this happened early. It's sometime in the late first century. Huh. The early church fathers refer to themselves as Christian or Catholic, and it was kind of synonymous. And the first example of this, the very first written example, was in 107 by St. Ignatius of Antioch. And he was writing a letter to the Smyrnians while he was on his way to martyrdom in Rome. And he wrote this letter, and he's basically telling them, like, hey, listen to the church. You know, don't listen to these other folks. Don't listen to the pagans. And he says, wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. 
Hmm. And that was in 107 AD. And now, was there a different word for Catholic and Christian, do you know? Or were they the same? It was the same. It was, if, so right. if you were a Christian, you were Catholic. You're right. And, and because there was no other church. Because there was no other church. Yeah, my dad always made a point of saying, well, Christian and Catholic, even though they've changed in our time, they basically mean the same thing. And I thought that was, well, what? Baloney. But yeah, in the old sense of the word in the Catholic. Old sense, yeah. And that's how, that's how we would define it. Catholics would define it still. And so it wasn't until the Protestant Reformation came along that we had all these different denominations coming up and different subgroups. And now here we are in the year 2018, and there are in the United States there are 35,000 different denominations. <laughs> and it kind of goes against that spirit of unity and universality when there's that many groups. Oh, man. It is so interesting that you bring this up because I have lived this. My dad grew up during something in the Lutheran church called Seminex when there's a huge division between, I think, uh, Missouri Synod and the, and, and with Protestants, I think like the, uh, the, the drive or the, the trend is just say, oh, we don't like what's going on. So we're just going to start our own sect. Yes. And then that sect says, oh, we don't like what's going on. Oh, they're letting females be pastors. We're going to start our own uh, denomination. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps on bifurcating with Protestants. What are you going to get to where there's like one Protestant sect with a hundred members and, and, you know, and they're going to div- you know, separate into a group of 50 and it's just going to get smaller. Oh, it's funny. It's so funny. That's human nature right there. Yeah. When the Protestant Reformation occurred, it was like, oh, well, they're Catholic. That's a separate denomination. Never mind that that was like the root and tree of Christianity, not like a, just a separate branch. And then that was furthered when the Church of England broke apart from, from the Catholic Church. And, you know, they made the Anglican Church or the Episcopal Church. And then they started referring to Catholics as, well, those are Roman Catholics. Oh, yeah, right. So when people say Roman Catholic, to me, that's an oxymoron. Huh. How could you be Roman Catholic? Catholic means universal. Yeah, but Roman To be To use the word Roman, you're boxy, yes. You're localizing the church when the church is universal. Interesting. So I don't never... Maybe that was just used as um, opposed to Greek Orthodox Catholics. It was... The Anglican Church's way of saying, well, you're just the local branch. Oh, okay, right. In right. England, we're the branch here, <laughs> right? It's funny how um, you get into, like, the words and how they uh, they imbue meaning into, like, the history of the times. <laughs> so I, Orwell would be loving this. Yes. And so it's, to me, it's interesting, that it, and not to evangelize or proselytize or what have you, but before Jesus died on the cross, his prayer was... For unity amongst his disciples, amongst his followers. So in this segment, our conversation will be focused on the topic of death and dying because 
my mother-in-law just died, and I feel of two minds about putting it on a podcast because some people think that it's like self-grandizement, whatever. It's it's. Right. Um, but I do want my great great grandkids, my great 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 ad infinitum grandkids to hear my beliefs on death and dying, which, without a doubt, in my world, is the most important topic, and for a lot of thinking people, maybe mm-hmm. you too, the most important topic you can talk about. My mother-in-law just died. She was an amazing, amazing lady. And I saw her last breath and it was, it has, I think, made me wiser. Mm. Have you ever dealt with death in a real personal way? First of all. So first of all, I I just want to say again, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I just talked to your wife and expressed that to her too. So thank you very much. Breaks my heart because I've met, I've met your mother-in-law. Of course. Several times. And she was a wonderful lady. So I just want to thank you so much. She was, but, um, I haven't, I have had multiple people in my life die, but I've never experienced death in person like that where, you know, in in your case, um, your whole family was there to experience, um, their last breath Yeah, and you were all there and you know, your wife was telling me about how your sons were playing the piano and you're all talking and you're all gathered around. I have never experienced that. Yeah. I don't know how many people have. Yeah. And I want to, I want to let my future generations, my future kids know how special this moment was. We were playing guitar, singing songs. We were just hugging and touching. I remember when I was a kid, I had surgery. I was like five years old and my parents had to leave. The the hospital rules were different back then and they wouldn't let people stay and I was devastated the whole night I stayed up the whole night because I couldn't wait till people were around me I was worried about the operation and it happened and I was like god my mom and dad are here I was so happy and so I remembered that as we all were around and touching and hugging um, Lonnie and making it as good as possible and recounting great times together And, oh, man, just the beauty of it and the unfair, the injustice of it. Mm. Oh, it was so heavy. And, I mean, because it was heavy, it was was imbuing all of us with wisdom. I truly believe that we in the modern world are out of touch with death. We need to see more death. We need to confront death. Mm -hmm. In our everyday lives, like the ancient humans did, to their benefit, to get what we need out of death. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is your do you, I mean, I agree 100. percent Yeah, we don't encounter death in the same way that people in, let's say, the medieval age yeah, did. It was when they had the Black Death. They would literally have carts coming down your neighborhood, and you'd throw the dead into the carts. Yeah. And it was just a part of everyday life. And now we don't. Because of modern technology, people are able to live longer. And when people die, you know, it's in the hospital. Yeah. And so it seems very clinical, I guess. It's antiseptic, yeah. Yeah. And then when you encounter, when you do encounter death, you might see a picture. So we went to the Holocaust, the, um, the Museum of Tolerances yesterday. And you see pictures of it. And pictures are pretty graphic. But it's not the same as someone that you love and know dying in your presence. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it took me a bit. Um, my wife and my aunt and my father-in-law were hugging my mother after she passed, my mother-in-law after she passed. And I was like, 
man, an overwhelming urge to do the same right. overcame me, and and I can believe it. And it was it was really important psychologically to do that. And I totally understand this idea of seeing a body after they pass to to get that. Um, What's the word? Help me out. Closure. Or closure, yes. yes this closure that is psychologically healthy and, man, it was so powerful. So how did your children deal with it? Because they were, I'm assuming, around. They dealt with it the same and saw the same as, as us. And they saw her um, slowly succumbing to it and I'm sure are going to be so much wiser. And it was so beautiful seeing them uh, holding her hand as she was, she had lung and, and breast cancer and was struggling. It was a horrible way to die, really. Struggling to just get breast. She was almost drowning mm. as she died. Oh, oh, gosh. It was just... and. They comforted her and held her hand and hugged her. Oh, man. It was just the way I, I tell my boys now. I hug mm-hmm. them and I say, guys, that's the way I want to go right there. Right. How do you want to go? I Okay, the same way. Yeah? Because I, I think if you were to ask the average person on the street, they would say something to the effect of, I want to die fast. Yeah. You know? In an explosion or something wow. dramatic. I want to go fast. Wow. Because I don't want to feel the pain. And we live in a world where we do our best to avoid pain. Mm, that's why they say to, that. To delay or put off suffering. Yeah. But there, there's something um, powerful about suffering. There's something powerful about mm. pain, especially when it's connected to um, a family or to a community, because then you have that support, you have that compassion, yeah. that empathy. And when you have that opportunity, and that's what it is, an opportunity to die slowly, you can look at it as awful. Or you can look at it as a blessing. Like, yeah. this is my chance to say my goodbyes, to get my life put in order. Dude, well said. Well said. And that's exactly what happened. So, because of this, I know how I want to die. I want. I know where I want my ashes to be spread. For instance, we discussed this with, with her beforehand. She... Mm-hmm. She, everyone put it off. We put it off. We put it off. And, and we said, with two days left, we, my wife said to, to her mom, mm. Mom, we need to have this discussion. Where do you, what do you want to do? you want a funeral? Do you want your uh, casket? Do you, and she said, you know, I want to be in two places. I want to mm. be in Kansas, where her husband grew up on a centuries-old farmhouse in a beautiful, wow. serene beautiful Midwest setting. Mm-hmm. And I also want my half of my ashes to be in Kokei, Hawaii, Kauai, yeah. where she grew up in just my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world. And we just, my wife was there with her when she told us this, oh man, it was so wow. powerful. And, and I just said, well, that's, that's exactly what I want too. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it makes you Think about these things. And I want it to be instructive and and edifying for everybody involved. I don't care about me. I don't care about anybody thinking about me. I want it to be fun. I want it to be a party. I want everyone to have fun. And I want them to think about death because Mm -hmm. when we think about death, we don't take life for granted. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line right there. Amen. Yeah. We have to, how do the poets put it, suck the marrow out of life yes. every day and we only get one life to live and death makes real mm. the finite mm. quality mm. of life mm. 
And so when I think about myself dying, you know, and I, I, I envision myself, <laughs> hopefully God willing, dying at an older point in my life, you know, I've, I've hopefully I've had time to make some kind of impact or do some of the things that I feel are necessary to have a complete life. And even if I don't, regardless, you've already done that, but I've done, I digress. Go. I've done a lot. I've done a lot that I've, I've wanted to do, but when I do come to be my maker, it, I want it to be in a way to where I don't have any regrets that I've made my peace with everyone. Hmm. And the number one thing that I think I want to do that most Americans don't do is I want to clearly communicate everything to my family. Oh, yeah. This is how I want to have my funeral. So. This is how I want to be buried. This is how I want my, you know, my belongings to be shared. If I'm ever in a coma, if I'm ever in this kind of a situation, whether I want a DNR or I want an extension cord, whatever it is, people don't communicate to their family the end of life stuff. And their family goes through agony because of that. And and their families are sometimes, and this is the irony of it. Their families are sometimes split apart Mm -hmm. because of that. So everybody listening to this, if you haven't done this yet, Mm -hmm. you know, you could, for whatever crazy reason, go tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You got to do it right now. You have to, there are, I've done it online and it's funny. My wife hasn't done it online it's and it's not because she doesn't want it. She totally will tomorrow, um, because she's busy. You know, we are all yeah. so busy, and just go online or get a lawyer and just figure it all out now. Damn it! It's right. just so huge. Can you imagine dying and splitting your own family up because of your death? Or your which is nutty, of course, because right. it, that means that there are problems with your family that they would care about what happens with right. the possessions and money. But but who? I mean, that happens. We're human. And that, but that's the thing when you're unconscious and you don't, you know, you're you're not sure whether you're going to live or die, or maybe you're going to die, but you're in a vegetative state. Yeah. And your family doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And emotions take over. Yeah. The decision making, and your family has to kind of divine <laughs> what you would want. Yeah. When you could clearly ex- express to them your wishes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we need to be doing as a, as a society, but yeah. we don't because we're afraid. Of this conversation that we're having now. Yep. I think that also, it just goes to the government. If there's nothing in set in concrete beforehand, mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's just like, are you kidding me? This, yeah, it just goes, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. To that point, to the to the point of the government doing something, President Barack Obama did. In, the, in that first proposal for the um, Affordable Care Act, there was a section that dealt with end of life. The way. Yes. Awesome. I didn't even know about that. Yes, you did. Because Why? Sarah Palin called it death panels. Oh. And that got cut. So death panels was forcing people to... To meet de- with their doctors. Oh, my gosh. Come up with end of life. Right on. Procedures. Good for Obama. Right? But then Sarah Palin said, I don't want no doctor telling me whether or not I'm able to be... Holy smokes. What a great provision. And so that got cut out. Because people... We want to bury our head in the sand when it comes to death. Yes. Okay. Think about it. Is there anything in life so scary as our own death? Of course not. No. That's... No. That's that's tough. It's just nutty for me to sit here and say, we're all going to die. Dude, mm-hmm. we're all going to die. Joel, I will be dead. I know, yeah. And it, and it makes you also think, whoa, there was a time when I didn't exist. <laughs> it's For just, billions yeah, of years. Yeah, we're so self-centric. It's just like, yeah. Right. Wow. Death is heavy. So oh, for man. billions of years, we did not exist. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. We are so... 
It's a blip. Yep. We're so self-absorbed that it's hard to believe. All right. Do you want to live forever? And this is crazy because we talked about this real briefly earlier and you yeah. said no? I do not want to live forever. Wow. Yeah. So I'll say this. I, in the fourth quarter of my my year with my students, I read a book with them called Tuck Everlasting. And it's about these people, the Tucks who, as they're traveling, they stumble upon this spring, and they drink from it, and then they're immortal. And try to get through the book, by the way, without stopping for many moments and just ruminating. I mean, you, you are forced to ruminate in this book. And I read this book with my students, and I go through, for a quarter, death. I have them write their own obituary. I have them think about what they want on their tombstone. Don't bleep that out. And <laughs> wow. And they, I have them I go love through. it. That's the question that they have to answer. Man. The last essay of the quarter is, do you want to live the mo- Okay. The most important question. No. The most important question. And that's what I asked them. And they're always, I always get a mixed response. And... My answer, and I don't tell them because I don't want to prejudice them in any way, my own answer is no. Why? Because I feel like part of just the natural, normal cycle of life is death. Okay. And I I feel like when I'm not part of that circle of life, I feel like I'm removed. Now, you're going to live forever according to the Catholic tradition, no? Or is it so not the same separate. as you? I would say it's what, what is, I don't know this. I don't, to me, like the Lutheran idea of heaven is mm. that I'm going to live forever, but, but beyond that, I'm going to be the same guy I was before. Mm-hmm. And is that not the Catholic tradition, or is it? Or where? So in the Catholic tradition, of course, you live on earth, and then you die. You go to heaven. You experience... Everlasting life. Everlasting life. All right. But, and I'm sure this is true in Lutheranism as well, there's the resurrection of the dead. So in in the Bible, there's that section where Christ has the transfiguration. Right. And he's there with a select few apostles, and he's talking to, um, I believe, Moses and Elisha. And according to the Catholic teaching, that's what our future will look like. Okay. We will have that transfiguration of ourselves. We resurrected in our best, truest Do you self. have all the memories you had when you were on Earth? I believe so. Okay, so you are then. It's, you will live forever, but not... The difference is, I won't live forever in a fallen world, if that makes sense. No, I don't get it. I mean, is heaven a fallen world? No. So, so be you're going to be living forever in a great... I mean, let's say, in for the, me, it would be like, I'll be living forever, like on Rincon Point. Just... <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you, just, yeah. you got waves coming in all day. You go and surf, and then you come in, and you have a barbecue afterwards, and you chill, and you play guitar and sing with all your buddies, and then you go and wake up the next day, and you go plant your garden, and you... you, you there you go. It, it, that's your idea, too. That would be heaven. Okay. Heaven is what you, the world, all of the systems, all the illnesses, all the things that are the consequence are of gone. living in a sinful, fallen world are gone. And why would you not want that for forever? But we you think it gets. But we don't live old. in that situation. We live in this situation, right? Where, but okay, but wait. If, if you had all those things, you right. think it would get boring, or you would get tired of it, or what? I just wouldn't want to live in this world. But you could or live in the next world. It is the next world. Is it well, not? Depends. If I'm living in this world with immortality, I wouldn't want that. But so what if it was a better version of this world? Still would not be... Really? Yes. Interesting. My buddy is just like you. I sh- My jaw dropped. And I think... I told him, okay, 
I think that you are mistaken. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. I think you're mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think if you were on your deathbed yeah. and you had all those things, those great right. things, and then right before you were about to die, we said, okay, do you want to extend it or not? You would say, yeah, extend it. I would say <laughs> you, no. You, you say now, but you have to actually try to put yourself in that spot. And that's the thing. I, I, I we can't. Hope, I know. I would hope to say. You no, have to imagine it. But I don't. I don't know. I, I can see myself saying I have run the race, right? I've gotten to this point now where I'm at the end, and I am ready to move on. Oh man, this is crazy heavy because you're the Christian and I'm the agnostic. Mm-hmm. We need to switch roles here. Why is that? Because agnostics and, and atheists often say, "I don't want to live forever." And Christians are the ones that often say, I want to live forever in the same life that I'm living now, but better, which is supposedly heaven, right? But see, if I were immortal in this time... Am I not getting that part of it? I think so. In this time, I don't want to live forever. In this world, I do not want to live forever. No, I'm not saying in in this world. in the next world, I will be, hopefully, if... (laughs) All goes like No, no, no. Assume that. Let's assume yeah. that you're in assume heaven. Assume that all goes well. Yes. Which to me is nutty. Okay. But I, I that's I, a whole different discussion. But I, I, yes. Okay. All right. So I get it now. Oh, if it's just the idea of this world, you don't want to live. For, all right. Right. Yeah. But in the next world, yes. You do. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. That's the distinction. I, that's the dividing line. I could even live forever in this world under certain. I mean, the thing about it is. I feel like already I'm living in heaven because my life is just incredibly great. Mm-hmm. And I feel guilty about that. I feel like, and Jesus always talked about, you know what? If you believe truly in me, your heaven has already begun here on earth. Right. I think that's, that's so that's powerful. That is key. And people don't understand that. No. You know what? And, and, and if you're truly a Christian, mm-hmm. then the, the idea of being Christian, that means a certain something. That means you will do things. Like if you knew that you were pitch your tent on the side of a mountain and there were these boulders that were coming down, mm-hmm. you move your tent. Yeah. And that's and because you see those boulders about to kill you. Yep. And and in Christians sometimes say they're Christians, but they don't act like it. No, and I don't want to get into this whole because that's like a tangent. The, the, dude, we but, gotta have a tan we gotta have a whole thing on this. But I think there are some Christians who don't think that you need any good works. All you do is say, like, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Done. No. Faith is not just saying with your lips, I believe. Yeah. Faith is a verb. Yeah. Faith is action. Faith is doing. And so you hear these Christians poo-pooing. Well, you don't need good works. Well, good works is faith. Faith is good works. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. not like, well, I'm doing good works so I can go to heaven. No, 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 no. Heaven has already been brought to you. Yes. So you do good works. No, it's a cop out. It's a cop out. I just I just believe, so I'm going to heaven. Right. The end. Yeah. That is nutty. No, your beliefs, all of our beliefs in life, they actually translate into true behavior. Exactly. They really do. Um you can't say sort of with a wink and a nod that you believe something and not truly believe it mm-hmm. uh, because your actions will bear you out. Exactly. Will we'll, uh, put a lie to to the, your supposed beliefs. So they'll say like, well, you don't really need good works. You yeah. have faith. Well, then you're not really a Christian. No. That is 
bugged the hell out of me. And you know what it is? It's the whole idea that because the Catholics at one point took it too far mm-hmm. with, oh, you pay all this money to the church. Right, indulgences. Uh, right. Yeah, and, and then you get your, your ticket into heaven. Mm-hmm. They took it too far the other way and say, there's nothing you can do. They went too far the other way. Yeah. It's, okay, dude, we're back to this gray. You know, we're mm-hmm. back to this middle. The right. Buddhists, which is... I don't want to make this a Buddhist uh, podcast, but this idea that the center road is best to take because they took it too far and said, no, works don't mean shit. Yeah, they went too far. It's like, have you read Matthew 5, the the Beatitudes? Yeah. The Beatitudes are a list of things to do. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole tangent that we could, we could spend a whole hour on itself. All right. All right. Here's a big, after this um, huge, the... Yeah, the biggest moment in my life last week, last weekend. This is why I wasn't part of the whole union, and I haven't listened to it yet, and I'm embarrassed to say it so, but I cannot wait to listen to that and say that I'm a full-on union supporter, and God, if we can possibly win that Supreme Court case, oh, I'll, I'll awesome. do flips mm-hmm. in my 50-year-old state. All right, I uh, want to say something about death. That is important as somebody who's like who is like quasi Christian. I love Jesus most. The ninety percent of Jesus' teachings I love. That you don't belong to us, so you go to hell. Bit I can't stand. Right. So I want my ideas to live on. This is my heaven. This is like me living on. And if you think about it, what are we? Are we our arms, our legs, our heart? No, we are our thoughts. Mm-hmm. All we are are our thoughts, as the pixie said. And so I these. Like, this is me being recorded right now onto a podcast, sucking or being sucked into the brains of my future kids. Mm-hmm. And I hope I get, I'm lived on through my own grandkids. And that's how we have heaven, to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not enough, I know, but to me, it suffices. It's crazy. Because you're living on. Just yeah. You... I, I, and, I, and that's why our ideas, which definitely, they go on beyond us. We, they have to be right. They have to be righteous. We have to be careful with what we propagate. Totally. So, I mean, uh, how do we honor somebody who dies? We mm-hmm. honor them by taking what was awesome about. And so if I could just take a couple seconds and just say what was awesome about Lonnie, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law. Lonnie was all about fun. And yes. to me... Fun has been hounded throughout the world, and and we and and we need to like honor fun. We do. Too many people are like, you know, if you're having fun, you better watch it because you better work harder, or you better not be like, you would not be better not be enjoying the flesh or whatever right. it is. It's just baloney. She was all about fun. She was all about man. Was she giving? She would. I mean, the whole saying. I, take your shirt off your back and she would do it. She gave and gave and gave. And you know what? The whole idea of giving versus receiving was so lived in her. She really believed in the idea that giving is way more fun than, than receiving. She yeah. had, she gave and gave and gave and, and was so uplifted by all that. She loved to serve. She was a, somebody who just would go out of her way to, to serve others and just reveled in it. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's true. It, it takes maturity to realize and it takes graciousness to realize. It, the old sort of standby, oh, uh, giving is greater than receiving is so poo-pooed but it is so true it's so psychologically healthy and fun and to add to that i'll say that my wife and i house sat for Mm. you a couple years ago 
Yeah. That was... And the cool thing was every day I got to have just a little chat with your mother-in-law. And she was such a sweetheart. And she didn't even need to come. So you were um, in Hawaii. No, no, you were in Dude, Europe on a trip. You're making me so sentimental right now because I but totally forgot about this. This was amazing. So we were house-sitting and, you know, we were looking after the house, but we were also taking care of your pets. And at the time, you had a tur- couple turtles. And we were feeding the cat and we would try to feed the turtle and try to feed, you know, all the animals and stuff. But your mother-in-law would come and she would feed them. And I'm like, we got it. That's we're good. No. But she wanted to come every day and do that. Was it St. Augustine that was such a lover of animals? or That was St. Francis. St. Francis. There yes. we go. She was St. Francis embodied. I can see that. Oh, man. And she loved and the animals. What is it about people who are such great souls that love animals, you know? She was that person. They're sensitive she just, she just gravitated and, and, mm-hmm. and just loved on animals. And, and what is it about mass killers who kill animals? Seriously, True. is that crazy or what? They're, they're sociopaths. Yeah. Because they torture animals. Can we, like, predict uh, humans' not worth, I, I hesitate, um, by how they treat animals? Maybe not their worth, but just maybe, their like, cycle. the kindness of yeah. their soul or something. Yeah. Right, no right. doubt. How they treat animals. Yeah. And so I got, I got to know her, Ooh, not dude. super well, but... That is so cool. And I kept. I forgot about that. Nice. Why should we think about death so so much? I mean, we both believe that we should think about death mm-hmm. way more than we do, and and our society pushes away, mm-hmm. pushes us away from thinking about death. So there's this old joke where he says, "I saw a thing actually, a study that said speaking in front of a crowd is considered the number one fear of the average person. Number two was death. <laughs> death is number two." This means to the average person, if you have to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. But it's because people are afraid of the unknown. Yeah. So we should talk about death. Yeah. So that it's not something to be afraid of. Yeah. It's that last great journey. You can send rocket ships into space, but you can't send rocket ships into death. Right. It's unknown. You just can't get around that. What is, the, oh man, my Alzheimer's kicking in. What is the name of the organization that helps people as they're dying? I don't, I don't hospice. Or? Hospice. That organization needs to be cheered. Those guys are mm. amazing. We had such a great experience with them. They were so peaceful. They had been through it all. Mm-hmm. And man, you know what? Those guys, mm-hmm. you go to those guys for wisdom because when you see death that much, and you walk people through the process, mm-hmm. man, you become wise. It's like when I was a kid, like, ah, give me a maze on paper. I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go backwards through this maze. Right, right. You know, if you live life backwards by uh, talking to people who are old and on the brink of death, mm-hmm. what would you have done? And the, the, the wise people say, I would have done this, this, and this. And, the, the, and man, we'd be wise to listen to them. You would. So they're, at the, they're, they're at the end of their race. So you know speak, what? It, it, their journey. They always say, I, it's not about possessions. It's not about anything but our relationships with people. Yes. You know? And our love between people. Those are the heights of our experiences. And I think that humanity has never gotten death right. If you look no, back yeah. at the ancient times, you look in China or in Egypt, for example, and you see these pharaohs or these kings, these emperors, 
and they have these mausoleums yeah. where they bury themselves. And they surround themselves with treasure. And they you kill know? people to come with them. Yes. Yeah. And they don't understand. You can't take it with you. Yeah. All that stuff yeah. is here. And what matters oh, is what you did. Yeah. The connections you made with people, the yeah. legacy you left behind. Yeah. Yeah, no, we need to take all the good from the people that go before us. Mm-hmm. We just got to make sure we honor those people by continuing. Don't let their awesomeness die. Whatever they were awesome at, let's make sure we keep it going. So then what would you keep going from your mother-in-law? I would keep going love of pets, mm. like we discussed. Um, I, I am so selfish. We're all selfish, but I am so selfish she was a giver mm. of her time. I want to be, I mean, I, to a true saint is somebody that can just give their money, give their hard-earned whatever to other people. Mm-hmm. I would love to get to the point where I could do that. I'm not even close. I give a little bit of myself, but, man, I'm not even close to what she did. And and I guess that's probably the bottom line. Mm. What about you? For for someone like your mother-in-law, I would say it's, it's the... Um, yeah, self-sacrifice. Yeah. So it's hard. And I told her time and again, you don't need to come. Yeah. We've, we've got it covered. She probably did it because she loved it. She loved it. Yeah. And she looked at it as, well, I'm taking care of my son-in-law. I'm taking care of my daughter. Um, I'm taking care of their animals. Yeah. And I think for her, it was just like she didn't look at it as a burden, but as something exactly. that she loved to do. Exactly. And that's something that, I, that we Dude. should look at. All right. You got to talk about what you you've jokingly or maybe seriously talked about what you want to do at your own funeral. Right. So, so this is great. I've actually thought about doing uh, writing this into really? this thing I did on the internet. You can like do all these like wills and stuff on the mm-hmm. internet. It is great and fun and funny. Yes. Which laughter is beautiful. It is. So okay. So on that point, this is a little tangent, but I was I want to. <laughs> urge people, if you're at all interested in spirituality and um, Christianity, whatever, what have you, not even Christianity, spirituality, I urge you to um, purchase Father James Martin's book, Between Heaven and Mirth, and it's all about how to incorporate joy and humor and laughter into your life to increase your spiritual life. Right on. And it's an amazing book, Um, and he's absolutely 100% correct. Right on. So, so to that point, <laughs> laughter, right? In laughter. death, it's like this juxtaposition that yes. is so vital. You have to laugh in the face of death. And people don't like that, huh? They don't. I think people it's think wrong. it's wrong. Do you think in the tribal thousands of years ago they, they did? I think How they did. How dare you yeah. laugh? Yeah, yeah. they totally did. They were used to it. But that back then, it was. I'm sure it was more commonplace. Yeah. So for me, and I've talked about this before. Of course, I want to have my Catholic funeral, have the mass, but then when it's maybe the wake or I don't know, at some point, <laughs> what I would like to do, two things. One, I would like to have maybe different stations set up where with different alcohols that I enjoy. <laughs> I love so it. So people can go from I'm station so to station. I'm so into doing this, man. And each station maybe will have like an alcohol and then like <laughs> some kind of thing people need to share. So like at this day, what was the most embarrassing thing you experienced with yeah. Jose? <laughs> You, know? you make it. You and make it important. You make, you make it important. It. You go. Th- you know, we do centers. Like I do centers. Yeah. You wrote the kids rotate from yeah. group to group. So that's one thing. The second thing, though, 
in my casket where I'm laying dead. Okay, everyone, picture a Halloween scene where you got the casket (laughs) and the the voice coming out of the casket. When I was younger, I used to love going to Universal Studios. Oh, yes. One of my favorite rides was E.T. And as you would walk up to E.T. I thought they liked the the the, um, haunted houses they have in there now. Well, yeah, it's true. They didn't have them back then. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So you'd go up to the line for E.T., and as you were walking in, there would be one of the employees, and they would ask you, what's your name? <laughs> you would say, my name's Jose, and they would type it in, boom, 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 right? And then you'd go into the E.T. ride, and then you'd go through the whole ride at the end. <laughs> That's how you got that? You never told yes, us. I, oh, I left that part How out. you got that, yeah. At the That's end, from E.T. ride at Universal Studios. Exactly. At the end, when you're leaving, they would have E.T., like this animatronic <laughs> E.T., and they would say, Bye, Jose. <laughs> so E.T. You felt so special. Yes, yeah, like, oh, saying bye to me. Yes. Right? So that's what inspired me. So when you were going up to visit my body in the casket, <laughs> there would be somebody there. <laughs> I love it. With like a little keyboard, a little computer, and you'd go, my name's Joel. Oh, yes. Joel. And then you'd walk up, and there's my dead body. You could totally personalize that stuff, yes. too. Yes. That's what you came up with. That, to me, was the genius of it all. Yes. You'd walk up. The person would type in Joel. And then Joel would walk up to my dead body in the casket. Oh. Like, Hello, Joel. That would, like, <laughs> shock to... the hell. If I didn't already hear that from you, that would shock the hell out of me. How are you, Joel? I Why'd you do this to me? Or you owe me this. Or... You still owe me 10 bucks. <laughs> like, I love doing the it podcast. It has to happen more often. Yes. So every Man. person who walks up gets a personalized message. Yeah. Or even like something heavy. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, what you did to me, I don't give a shit. I love you still. Exactly. And if you have any qualms about that, mm-hmm. let it go. Yeah. You know? Don't let that. And do yeah. this. You suck at this. Do this. You know? <laughs> Give everyone straightforward advice. Because people listen to dead bodies. You know that's true. That's if like so a dead funny. body's telling you to do this, you're gonna try to change in that area. That's so funny. You could totally oh man. You could you change could, lives. Yeah, change lives. But my life was changed going to the funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a recent um, research study um, that showed that there might be this time period after we die where we're still our uh, cell our brain neurons are still working and we're actually hearing stuff and we're actually able to process it which is crazy and um even uh, though we're dead our brains are still processing and it kind of makes sense because all i mean the blood just brings oxygen but um man that's crazy and uh, uh, just a, a real shout out to the New Yorker um, article about this gal that dies in Oakland California they bring her body to um, New Jersey and they don't know if she's alive or dead if you're interested in death and life read it so wow. that I mean this is I mean this is the most important topic for sure so aside from your mother-in-law, like, have you encountered other instances of death? My grandma is the most amazing. Um, person in my life and I didn't I wasn't there when she died I saw my mother-in-law basically take her last breath mm. which is more powerful but um, that's it I mean yeah. I, I'm I'm sad that I haven't experienced it more really it was just yeah. goofy to say and I hope people don't take it the wrong way but it's important for us 
So for me, you know, my parents got divorced when I was younger. So I was raised by my grandparents from like maybe kindergarten, first grade on through the rest of my life. So my grandfather was basically my father. Not biologically, of course, but, you know. And so when he died, that was crazy to me. Wow. How old were you? I was 18. I had just, I literally had finished, no, I was 19. I had finished high school. And then I was in my first year at Allen Hancock College. I had just turned 19. The Iraq War had just started because it was 2003. It's all mixed up together. It's all mixed up together. And I remember not believing it. Like, my grandmother called me on the phone to tell me I was getting ready to go to class. I could not believe it. So I went to sleep thinking, I'll wake up and it won't be true. Wow. And this happens to so many people. Just total denial. And what kills me is I look back at it, and this is where, you know, when we're looking at our own deaths, we don't want to have any regrets. Mm. But then also being the ones who still live, having regrets. Mm. And so my regret is, you know, I was 18 when I moved out. My I felt like my grandparents were very overbearing. They're strict. Looking back, I'm like, well, that was actually really healthy for me because they set boundaries and sure. guidelines for me. But it was overbearing for yeah. me. And so I was happy to move out. Yeah. And then I was busy with college and busy with friends and dating and all this stuff. And so I didn't spend a lot of time visiting my grandparents. My grandpa was 60 years old. I didn't didn't even think that he might die. But Mm. I remember the last time you have regrets. I have a, I do because the last time I talked to him, I was in a hurry. I was in a rush and Mm-hmm. He wanted to talk to me, and I was wearing this Marilyn Monroe shirt because I love Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, Marilyn Monroe, you know, she was really sexy back in my time." And, just, and I was just kind of like, "Uh huh, uh-huh. like I gotta go." Like, sorry, let's, dude. And I jammed. You're in some youth, and yep. that still kills me. Like, he wanted to have a conversation. Mm. Something so simple, like I'm over mm. my shirt, and I was just mm. too much of a hurry. And then uh, it was like the next day, he yeah. died of a heart attack, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, so Kills the lesson me. is just appreciate people when you have a chance. People. Exactly. Because yes. you never know. Like Yep. Like I kept on wanting to have like when I was a kid, I mean when my kids were smaller, we had all these big family hugs. I loved them. Mm. I'd get them all and hug them all in a big circle. Yeah. And and we did that. I, I like made everyone get in the circle and just have a family hug because it just feels good. Mm-hmm. And we're all embarrassed to do that, you know? Right. You got to force yourself to overcome that, you know? And um, that's the type of stuff we got to do. Yep. For sure. Just overcome. And Our, I think some families are hesitant yes. to do that. And just talk. I mean, don't don't regret. Um, the, the old ones, man, they got serious wisdom to impart. Mm-hmm. Wow, dude. Heavy. So I, I think just to wrap this up, I think we really want to emphasize to our listeners, make sure that, you know, you have these conversations about death with your family, with your doctor. If you have a lawyer with them as well, have a will so that your family's mm. not trying to figure out what you would have wanted. Just you do it, it clear right now. Make it a point right now Yes. or later on today. Just mm-hmm. do it. And touch. Yes. We haven't talked about touch. Go give a hug. You know, overcome our silly embarrassments and just give a hug to people you love mm-hmm. and tell them that you love them. Yeah. You know, before it's too late. And then I, I you know, as the living, yes. make sure every person you encounter, that you that. give them, yes, you give them your full that. attention. You give them your love. You hug them. That's what it is like being in the present. What's this whole like feeling of like, oh, 
uh, what's the word? I'm, my Alzheimer's kicking in. Uh, being in the present and mm-hmm. here and now, that's like, listen to people. Yes. Listen to people and don't let yourself wander when you're with them. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know when they're not going to be with you. Exactly. So Yeah, there is so much to be learned about death. I mean, through death. There's so much to be learned through death. And if you can't experience it firsthand, you got to start imagining it. You got to, you got to understand that death brings happiness crazy enough as it is. Thinking about death brings happiness. So you want to talk this week about Daredevil and I am so old that I have never even <laughs> heard about it in our uh, discussions about what books you love, what music you love, what articles you've read. I all right, I'm so interested mm-hmm. because I've come to an end of the um, the uh, Seinfeld series that oh, I've been Comedian watching Clark's. and other series, so I got I'm stoked that I got another one to, to listen to. So when I was growing up, one of my favorite comics randomly because I, I loved Batman, X Men. I had their whole gamut of comic book heroes. But one of the ones I really liked was Daredevil. And the reason why I liked him was because he was a blind guy who was able to do all these amazing feats um, in terms of gymnastics, martial arts, or what have you, and fighting crime, even though he's blind. Can I... It's purely through the senses. Can I now edit this out if it's Mm -hmm. not appropriate? Was that any... um, Did that have anything to do with your mom being deaf? No. Why? Maybe subconsciously, I, mean, I don't know. Okay, but I because I, just, I mean maybe maybe you're right on some level. Yeah, that is such a cool thing that, for instance, blind people are so amazing at um, their their uh, music, and, like Beto mm-hmm. or I, I can't remember who was. Well, he was deaf. I think. Well, like um, what's his name? Ray Charles. Right. Ray Charles. Shearing the jazz pianist. Wonder. And, yeah. These people who are blind. And it's almost like, yeah, you because you have a handicap in one area of your senses, it heightens the other ones. That's a lesson for life. No? It really is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The senses are important. So I I think that's that's an interesting um, connection to Daredevil. And the character is... Blind or deaf or what? He's blind, but he's also Catholic. No way! (laughs) And so that's... That's an interesting dynamic in the show. The is Netflix it on Netflix show. or where can it's we see it? It's on Netflix. All right. They have two seasons. No way. It's actually really good. Nice. And what I like about it is that it's part of the Avengers Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. It's like in the background you see Tony Stark's tower. Yeah. And they reference things that happened in the Avengers movies, right? So it's part of that same universe, if you will. Cool. But in Daredevil, he's by day a lawyer. He and his buddy have a law firm, and he's using the legal system to prosecute criminals. But then by night, he's a blind vigilante. Nice. And he's going after these criminals. Well, like, what are justice. his powers? Like, do, obviously, sound is probably yes. paramount for him, right? And so he's trained himself to hear heartbeats. No way. Footsteps. I'm so idiot. And it's like echolocation. Yeah. You can sense people's presence. Through, I guess you would say, like the the empty the empty space, mm-hmm. right. you know, and that's Which a, is exactly how uh, deaf people do it. Exactly. Or so blind people do blind it. people yeah. do it. It's like there's an, there's an empty space here, right? Sound wise, yeah, that's where a person would be. Crazy. And he's able to fight crime that way. But the other thing that's interesting is he has this guilt 
that plagues him. And so he goes to confession and he talks to his priest. And of course, as you know, um, there's the seal of confession with priests, meaning they're not allowed to talk about what you do. Sure. And so he's, he's confessing, I've, you know, I've done these things. Does he confess that he's a superhero? He, that's part of it. Okay. And so he's confessing these things that he's doing, but he's also in a sense delivering justice where the legal system is failing. Mm. And so he has this kind of internal struggle of, mm. I'm kind of doing the right thing. But I'm a but vigilante. I'm a vigilante. I don't, I've never internal the idea of vigilanteism. I mean, if it's the right thing to do, don't feel guilty about doing it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, I mean, that's civil disobedience. I mean, if you're doing right. it and it goes against law, but it's right, who cares? Anyway, that's wow. Daredevil. I encourage I'm you. It's so, on Netflix. It's got two seasons. So cool. Check it out. I'm so cool. I'm watching that. How about you, Joel? All right, so I was racking my brain on a article or musical act that I love, and the first one that just jumped into my brain is The Bad Plus. It's a jazz band, but they are the most sort of on-the-fringe jazz band that you can think of because they're sort of combined rock and, and jazz together, and they're a real drum-forward band, um, they they don't do jazz standards. They do rock standards. They do a bunch of stuff by Pixies and Nirvana and and just all the great rock bands that ever came through. And they and they jazz those things up. And man, they are so good. Listen to Flim, F L I M. Uh, originally by Aphex Twin, and um, listen to how the drummer totally takes a computer drum track and does it personally. It is crazy cool. And um, like bronze medalist is super, super cool. It's um, You can hear... Um, Sort of this French bronze medalist is what they're portraying, walking down the beach while these kids walking with him as this steady drum beat goes with him, and he's all proud of his accomplishments, and it is so cool. And it's super atonal, but at the same time, it is super, super easy listening. It's Mm -hmm. crazy how they... Or uh, the Bat Plus sort of combines atonal uh, music with stuff that is easy to listen to. I just love uh, Bad Plus. And um, also listen to all the rock standards that they do as jazz. Uh, really fun. So how did you come across this band? I would, NPR does oh. um, these little snippets of songs. Mm-hmm. And Bronze Medalist was playing one day. And I'm like, I love that. Nice. And I just, I mean, if you hear something on NPR, go on to NPR um, and find out what it is. They, they put everything that they have, the, all their snippets online. That's so cool. Yeah. Do they do music videos? I mean, are they like an upcoming band or? No, it's just jazz. They probably do. I wonder if they do music videos, but probably not. Mm-hmm. And their pianist is gone. His, his Iverson is gone. He's on, into soul stuff now, uh, but, um, but they are just so fun. 
especially if you love rock as jazz. It's yeah. interesting. That's a cool combo. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Okay, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, at Conversations on Tap. That is Conversation on Tap. Be sure to rate our show and leave us a review. Your rating will um, help others find the show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, sh. Yeah, they got wine on my recorder here.